Welcome to the Come Follow Him podcast. This podcast is created by the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Here, we hope to help young adults find relevant principles each week as they study the assigned Come Follow Me scripture block as outlined by the church. This episode is simply two institute teachers talking about what they see in the scriptures that might be relevant to your life. It is not intended to speak for the church or to definitively define doctrines or policies. Any opinions shared here are just that, our opinions, as we have learned to come follow Him. I'm your host, Matt Swenson. Let's jump in. Welcome back, everybody. Good to be with you again this week. Um, with a good friend of mine, Trevor Dougal. Brother Dougal, welcome. Oh, love to be here with you. It's good to, good to have you. Uh, Trevor and I have worked uh, together at the Institute uh, for years. Um, he is now assigned as a principal at uh, a school out in kind of the west side of the, our valley here. Yeah. And uh, they, they don't have a building right now. No, we like to come to the Institute for <laughs> seminars. Yeah, that's right. So. That's what's, what's happening. They're busing their students from their high school, which is not too far away, but... Uh, About three miles. Yeah, and uh, getting them clear over here. And so they have... How long are your teaching periods? They're not very long. Not long enough. We have about 58 minutes Ooh. every other day, A yeah. B schedule. Yeah, so that's a, that's a block schedule, right? That's crazy. Well, uh, you're, you're the man to handle that, I'm sure. So. Oh, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Only time will tell. Right. Well, uh, it's exciting to be with you again. Um, I think there's so much to cover today. We're just going to jump in. Usually I have you talk about you a little bit, and there's, you, you've got such a good family, and you've been dealing with some health stuff here and there and back and forth, your whole family, right? We, we like to get closer to the Savior in a lot of different ways. We like to get there. So You're feeling the, uh, the pains for sure. Yeah. Um, but because of the, what we've got to get done today, let's uh, let's just jump in. Um, Brother Troutman and I last week uh, covered Second Nephi uh, three and four, but we didn't we didn't really cover five. And I'm now recording with you, realizing we never even covered five. And and so there's just a couple of things that, uh, as I said, well, is there anything in there that we have to hit? You said yes. There's a couple places we've got to hit. So for um, listeners out there, bear with us. There's just a couple of things we want to make sure that get taught out of these chapters, and probably they did last week, and you're all brilliant, and you probably all came up with it, but we just want to make sure, just in case. So, um, Brother Dougal, where, where should we focus? If there's a couple of places in chapter 5 to focus, where would it be? You know, maybe just uh, two places. Verse 15, um, I think, is really great. Uh, I, I think it's interesting. I did teach my people to build buildings and to work in all manner of wood and iron and copper and, and of brass mm -hmm. and of steel and of gold and of silver and of precious ores, which were in great abundance. Yep. Like, I love that it starts there that he's like, I first taught them how to build. Yep. And then what's the building that he builds? Verse yep. 16, I, Nephi, did build a temple. Yeah. And, and I think it's amazing that he, he trains these people on how to do, you know, regular things. And then with those regular things, the next thing that he does is build something incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And then 17, it came to pass, I, Nephi, did cause my people to be industrious, to labor with their hands. They wanted a king in 18, but I said, no, you shouldn't have a king. You should just have righteous leaders and, and not a king. Um, and they did according to what he wanted. He, Love he it. said, I want that. Which actually ties us in, I think, to the other thing that is your family motto. My family motto. What is it? Uh, verse 26, and I think, you know, all of these things, that laboring, the, the following your prophet leads to this one, verse, uh, or 27 right there. And it came to pass that we lived after the manner of happiness. Yeah. 
And I, I just think it's, it's an awesome choice. Like it's one of those things we live in this world and sometimes we're like, oh, you know, life is just hard and because of this right now I'm not happy. But I mean, it's a literal choice. We lived after the yeah. manner of happiness. Yeah. We chose the things that made us happy. Yeah. And I think if you go back and you read verses 7 through 18 and you realize the things that made them happy, it wasn't a gaming. It wasn't that they got to sit back and just be comfortable in their house all day long with no work. They weren't rich. They didn't have, you know, wealth. And, and the things that made them happy was that they were prepared for uh, war. They were prepared to take care of their families. They knew how to be industrious. They had a temple um, and, and they followed a prophet. That's the manner of happiness. It's right? a good manner right there. Yeah, love it. Wonderful. So with that, we're going to leave chapter 5 uh, and, and trust that you all did probably much better than we did just now <laughs> we in your, in we your study there. But, um, but the, the Nephites and the Lamanites have separated themselves out um, at this point. Um, you know, we talked so much last week about Joseph, um, the youngest of Lehi's sons. And, and from this point on, we don't really hear about Josephites. And I mean, I think there probably existed, the descendants of Joseph and whatnot. But, but we're really going to be hearing about Lamanites and Nephites now. And there's a, there's a chapter in here that kind of describes all that. But, but uh, it's not yet. Um, but just to be aware that this family is separated now. Uh, Nephi was, was warned uh, of the the plan that Laman and Lemuel had to take his life and, and so he was commanded to leave with, with his family and he did. So now we're in chapter 6. I'm just going to give it to you because there's so much to cover I want you to be as oh, good as you are here. Uh, we, I was going to say we could dig in for a long time on this. Um, this is the beginning of the words of Jacob and Jacob is, is uh, recounting some of, the, some of the things that are happening both in Isaiah and in their own time period. And uh, in, in verse 2, Jacob explains, Behold, my beloved brethren, I, Jacob, having been called of God and ordained after the manner of his holy order, and having been consecrated by my brother Nephi, unto whom ye look as a king or a protector, and on whom ye depend for safety, behold, you know that I have spoken unto you exceedingly many of the things. Yeah. And then my favorite word in the scriptures, nevertheless... <laughs> I speak unto you again, for I am desirous for the welfare of your souls. Yea, mine anxiety is great for you, and ye yourselves know that it ever has been. Huh. And, and then he starts to teach. And, and I used to think Isaiah is great, but it's ununderstandable. And, and I would look at it and think, all right, that's good for someone someday. Uh -huh. But the more that I've looked at the lens of Isaiah just mm. being about who is Jesus Christ, yeah. the more that Isaiah has made me recognize I know exactly why Jacob taught this, yeah. because his people needed to know a Savior. Sure. And, and so he starts off, verse 4, um, is, is one of my favorites, about midway down, and they are the words which my brother has desired that I should speak unto you. This is talking about Isaiah's words. And I speak unto you for your sakes, that ye may learn and glorify the name of your God. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason, right? But let me let me just add something to this conversation. It's so interesting because we had just read in 2 Nephi 5 that the people wanted a king, but Nephi said, no, you don't want that. You want righteous leaders, right? And then Jacob, in the next chapter, says, you look to Nephi like a king. And it's interesting to me that by first Jacob, we're talking like 15 <laughs> years later, um, is kind of where they established the first kings um, in uh 
in verses 9 through 11 of 1 Jacob. So it's under Jacob's reign that the people aren't listening to Nephi or to Nephi's counsel. So it's, it, what's interesting to me is that, um, that Jacob says, I'm speaking what Nephi wants me to say. You didn't want a king. He, you, you, you wanted a king. Nephi said, don't. You, don't. you don't understand these words. Nephi wants me to teach you these things. So that Nephi and Jacob are probably living at the same time still, but the people aren't really listening to Nephi, and Jacob yeah. stands up maybe as, a, as a, a spokesman for Nephi saying, look, I'm just teaching you what Nephi wants, and you count him as a prophet, but you're not really listening to him maybe. And, and so I love the line in there that uh, I speak unto you for your sakes, that you may learn and glorify the name of your God. Which is, is kind of interesting because I don't think up until this point we've even learned the name of their God. No, yeah. I think like it, it's not even until Second Nephi chapter 10 yep. that we come, yeah. let's see, where are we at? And it's, it, and it's like a parenthetical like, oh, by the way, this is how I learned yeah, that, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, 10 verse 3, wherefore, as I said unto you, it must needs be expedient that Christ, for in the last night of the angel spake unto me that this should be his name, should come among the Jews. Yeah, it's like a it's like a dash. Yeah. By um, the way, by the way, I told I was told this by an angel. <laughs> can you imagine? I mean, being told at that moment, like at this point, they're thinking, okay, there's this God, there's this Savior, there's this, and now all of a sudden, you're like, there is a there's a Christ. Yeah. Like I now know him by name. Right. Like what an experience to go from a, and I think in my own yeah. life, kind of this all encompassing God that maybe isn't even a personage right. to some individuals to recognize him so much on the level that he is literally a person with a name yeah. that would come down and be a savior or a Christ to them. Yeah, it, it's, so, it's so strikingly uh, apparent to us after Christ that Christ obviously is the one that's going to do that. But prior to Christ, Old Testament times, there wasn't a whole lot of understanding about who the Savior would be beyond a political figure that was going to save as the, the Jews, right? That was how they thought of him. They missed the whole save you actually yeah. part, right? Um, but I, I, I just think it's interesting that they, they are so uh, confused. They're just so confused. And I think, I think Jacob through Nephi, Nephi through Jacob, is, uh, is trying to clarify and help them understand. Yeah, love that. So keep going. Love that. Well, he, he goes on in the next little bit, and we'll come back to the Savior because I think we'll spend our entire time about the Savior. Yeah. Uh, we learn that Jerusalem is destroyed and a, a few different things happen uh, in that moment. And, and then he comes back here in verse 13 of chapter 6. Uh, Wherefore, they that fight against Zion and the covenant people of the Lord shall lick up the dust of their feet... Mm. And the people of the Lord shall not be ashamed, mm. for the people of the Lord are they who wait for him, mm. for they still wait for the coming of their Messiah. And I mean, what a, just talking about what you were talking about, you know, they're looking for this king and ruler and all this, and they're like, we've got to wait for the right one. Yeah. And, you know, as I think about that, I think sometimes we look for things to save us rather than looking and waiting for the Savior. Yeah. And I think it's easier to say, well, I want instantaneous saving. Right. Like, I want the saving process to be like this moment. I don't want to go through a process of, of grief or pain or yeah. other things. But what an awesome, you know, Jacob's words, for the people of the Lord are they that wait for him. Yeah. 
Uh, I, I love this phrase, where attention goes, intention follows. Oh, that's good. Right? Like, like <laughs> I, I, think, I think if I, if I spend my time studying Christ's life and studying what the, the commands are for me, instructions for me, I will then go do those things. If I spend my life focused on other things, and that's just something I have a knowledge of, right? Um, I, I love Lehi's, this is going to come back, I'm sure, too. I love Lehi's counsel to his sons to awake and arise. It's not just awake. You can lay in bed awake forever, right? But arise and shake off, right? That, that idea that you can't just know it. You've got to get up and go do it. Oh, man. Right? I can't tell you how many times I've laid in bed after yeah. the alarm yeah. goes off, yeah. and I'm like, I'll get there. Yeah. I'll get right? there. Yeah. I love it. Okay, keep taking take, oh, take it deeper. So good. So good. Um, I, you know, and let's just go into verse 14. Okay. Because I, I think the character of Jesus Christ may be the most important thing as we, we as members can understand about the Savior. Yeah. And I think often we, we jump back, we revert to like apostasy messages of who Christ is. Right. And so, you know, we see him as this punisher, this sure. smite button, all the sure. different things. But in verse 14, you know, he talks about the enemies and how he'll do those things. But at the very bottom, and none will he destroy that believe in him. Mm. I mean, what an amazing message that uh, Christ came to save, not to punish. Yeah. Christ came to heal, not destroy. Like, his entire purpose is, if you will just trust in me, yeah. I can change you. I can heal you. Yeah, and, and what's interesting to me is, as we, as we read that as the outcome... Uh, the ultimate outcome for everybody, right? That if we back up to 8 uh, through 10, we learn that Jerusalem has been destroyed. That's the, the first uh, captivity of Jerusalem, right? And uh, the Babylonian captivity, and this is Jeremiah's time. We can go read uh, in Jeremiah 29 of the same prophecy. So this is yeah. Lehi prophesied at the same time Jeremiah was prophesying. And now we're, uh, I don't know, 20 years later, 50 years later, somewhere in there. Uh, let's see. It says 59, 59 to 45 BC, 559 to 545. So we're anywhere from 50 to 55 years later. And now we're hearing Jacob say in verse 8, the Lord has shown me that those who are at Jerusalem from whence we came have been slain. So past tense now, however long ago that was, we know that it's probably about 11 years after they left Jerusalem yeah. that, that, that was actually done, like 589-ish. But, but then we get to 10, um, and we get another smiting. After they have hardened their hearts and stiffened their necks against the Holy One of Israel, behold, the judgments of the Holy One of Israel shall come upon them. So this is after Christ comes and lives with them. The judgments are going to come again, and the day cometh that they shall be smitten and afflicted. Speaking of the second destruction of Jerusalem, the 60 years, 70 years after uh, with the Roman uh, rule then. And then we talk about latter days, and this one at 14 is talking about, okay, at the very end, he's going to set himself again, and he's going to come and redeem you, all of his people. Isn't it like right. beautiful, this scattering and gathering oh, yeah. that like, continually happens throughout the Nephites, continually yeah. happens throughout the Jews, like, right. and ultimately, you know, it, it's for us. And it, it may be a question, well, why do we keep having the scattering? But I think as you jump into chapter 7, um, we, we start to see some of the questions that are asked. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to whom have I put thee away, or to which of my creditors have I sold you? Yeah. Yea, to whom have I sold you? Behold, for your iniquities have you sold yourselves, 
and for your transgressions is your mother put away. Yeah. I mean, we, we scatter ourselves. Yeah. And we like to, I, I think it's easy to blame it on the Lord and be like, well, the reason yeah. I'm not in the place is he sold me. Yeah. Right? He sold me <laughs> to one of his credits. Jesus' fault. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did not do this. Uh-huh. But as but, you go to that next verse, like, you know, the Lord's response. I, I love throughout Isaiah that there's like, here is what we feel about the Lord. Yeah. And then here's the Lord's response. Right. Uh, verse 2. Wherefore, when I came, there was no man. When I called, yea, there was no none to answer. O house of Israel, is my hand shortened at all, that it cannot redeem, or have I no power to deliver? Behold, at my rebuke I dry up the sea, and I make their rivers and wilderness and their fish to stink because the waters are dried up, and they die. And he goes through all these things, and he's like, but not you. Yeah. Like, but not you. Yeah. I asked over and over and called and was there, and you you never showed up. Yeah, yeah. I think that that the Savior, and I love that first verse, that idea that, that did I sell you? Did I did I did, did I do something different than I said I was going to do? No, you've done stuff different. Um, it, it, it's just so it's so important to recognize who moves, and it isn't the Savior. The Savior just stays steady, and we move to and from Him based on our willingness to be obedient and then we turn and blame him because our life's hard because yeah. i and sometimes our life's hard even if i close to him but it's interesting that when we're close to him and our life's hard we never blame him oh that is true we turn to him and ask for help when we're far from him and our life's hard is when we blame him yeah. and we turn away from him farther it's so it's such an interesting dichotomy because you would think it would be the other way around Unless sometimes and occasionally it's true that we're we're far from him and he does life happens hard and we turn quickly. And that does right? happen. But I think for most of us, especially in the latter days, the temptation is blame him. You're not listening to me. You're not paying attention to me. Or you don't even exist, right? The Savior, God, even does yeah. nothing exists now because my life's hard, and and I'm focused so much on me that there's no one else to turn to but me. And what my best idea, right? Mm, so As opposed true. to having faith and turning to someone who's so much more capable to dry up the sea um, and fix my little problem, whatever well, it is. And, and not just dry up the sea, dry up the sea for you. Right. Like, I, I how yeah, amazing. That's like, true. You know, we, we've got this Savior. I, when he says that, I, I picture the Red Sea, and I'm like, mm. you know, he did it for them. Yeah. Like, he, he he's saying, I can do this. I'm capable of it because that's his character. But then his character says, but I, I do these things for you. Mm. I, I'm not here, like, to punish you. And so as we, we look at that, it's really easy to say, well, sin is something that, you know, when I do something bad, it's that the Lord is angry with right, me sure. and the Lord is upset with me. But I, I really just think sin is separation. Yeah. As I sin, I separate myself from his love. And so when we get far away, what do we do? Yeah. Well, God doesn't love me. I, I don't know if you've ever been a mile from something, but trying to tell the details of something small yeah. and in a space from a mile away, you just can't see the yeah. details. And the closer you get to it, yeah. the closer we get to Him, the more the details are, are just so, so yeah. close. Clear. They become clear. I might, I might break here and pause here in the conversation because I think you've said something that I think is important. When I say... I have these ideas, I have the way to do it, and I go and I do the thing, whatever it is I'm doing in my life, I will be successful to some degree if I work, right? 
But when I say the Lord has created a program for me to follow, and I'm going to follow that, I will be so much more successful. And I think that idea that Christ dries up, look what I've done for you, right? That idea, look what I've done for you. Um, as we do this podcast for young adults and we have a constant conversation at the Institute that you're very well, well aware of about how do we gather the young adults in the valley to the Institute? How does it become a hub, a, a place of just being? Um, I think it doesn't happen until young adults see that the Institute is a place the Lord has created for you. Look what he's done. He has spent ridiculous amounts of money to create these buildings with full-time vetted staff to help you learn and understand the gospel more. But bigger than that, to be gathered into a safe environment, to have a space where you can grow and learn. And, and I'm speaking of our institute at Boise, and I, but I know there are institutes across the world all over the that, place. that really the Lord has created and through the prophets have given you a place to come and be safe, come and find others. Uh, come and find a spouse. Come and be taught um, to, to expand your knowledge base within the gospel because, according to President Nelson, that growth will help you make the choices you're going to make in the formative years of your life that are eternal choices. You will be more successful in those choices when you turn to the Lord and say, what have you done for me? I'm going to come and, and partake in that. I think that institute conversation really just needs to be a part of what we talk about uh, more often on this podcast. You know, uh, th this is a production of the institute, right? Love it. Yeah. But it's a production of the institute and being supported by the church, really. Um, my assignment, part of what I get paid to do is put this together um, and interview you and spend time with you, right? So that young adults feel more comfortable at an institute. They understand kind of what institute teachers think and feel. Yeah how we look at the scriptures, how we could maybe bless their lives in a, on a daily basis. And not that we're it, right? Listen to the prophets. <laughs> Follow the prophets and apostles, but, <laughs> but come to places they tell you to go. And those institutes all across the world, wherever you are, whether it's a stake, uh, a stake class that is happening in your stake or a building that exists near the campus close by you, if there's no state class that you can find, go talk to your state president and say, yeah. can we have an institute program for our young people? There's just, it's so important. It is a, it is a place where the Lord has provided something for you. And when we blame that we don't have, it's most likely because we're not participating in and partaking oh. of. So good. Could yeah. you imagine what would happen if all the young adults recognized oh. this is the Lord's schooling for right? me. Right, Like how amazing would it be to gather, yeah. like to be a part of something and then to invite others to it. I yeah. just think it's all perspective. You know, when, when we look at these verses, I mean, in the next little bit, it's interesting that the Lord just, he, he just says, this is what I've done for you. Like verse six, I gave my back to the smiter, my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. Like all of these different yeah. things that he's like, I've done this for you. Now, if we were to switch it, you know, he's still working. Yeah. I think sometimes we're like, oh, atonement over. Yeah. <laughs> so now, you know, we're just finding our way and right. using the atonement. Yeah. But Christ is still using prophets. Yep. He's still using institutes. He's still using seminaries. He's still using so many good men and women that if we would just say, hey, maybe I can just follow what he's giving me right now, yeah. that we could have that kind of an experience. But I mean, even at the end of these verses, look at verse 10. 
Yeah. Well, I was I was looking at eight. Can I start at eight? Oh yeah, jump. Yeah. And the oh, Lord yeah. is near, and He justifieth me. Who will contend with me? So so if if I had the audacity to to claim Isaiah's words here, which I think I can, I, as an institute teacher, the Lord is near. Yeah. And He justifies what I do, what you do in our classrooms. I think He justifies that. And then the next line: Let us stand together. Who is our adversary? If we're together doing what the Savior's asked us to do, who could beat us? Let him come near me, and I will smite him with the strength of my mouth. And I will teach you to do the same thing, right? As, as a young person coming, wanting to gain and grow and, and become, our objective is to help you deepen your testimony in the Savior so that you can protect, provide, preside, nurture, all the things, and with the capacity you gain from a knowledge of the gospel, you will have more capacity to thwart adversaries, right? Mm. Um, verse 9, For the Lord God will help me and you, and all they who shall condemn me, behold, all they shall wax old as a garment, and the moth shall eat them up. I see it. I see young people come in and struggle with concepts that we help them work through, and those that are fighting against and that have presented those issues to begin with just become old moth-ridden garments that that person doesn't need. They just would cast off. Yeah. It just doesn't become something that, that, that they care about anymore. Um, but, but in the moment when they first show up with so many concerns, uh, the, the, the ability to help them is hard to see until they're willing to soften and to come to learn, uh, to, to come to an understanding of the Savior on their own. Well, and then we get to 10. Because is it about their relationship with Christ, yeah. or is it about their struggle with mortality? Right. Yeah, it, it's 10, right? Who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of the servant, that walketh in darkness and hath no light? Who is there that's listening to God, that's doing what he's asked you to do, and has darkness going on in your life? Nobody. Yeah, that's not no a one. thing. But it's because of verse 11, Behold all ye that kindle fire, that compass yourselves about with sparks. Walk in the light of your fire and in the sparks which ye have kindled. This shall ye have of mine hand. Yeah. Ye shall lie down in sorrow. Yeah. Like how, how often is it, I'm going to walk around in the light of my own sparks. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, my, my own glory, my own this. And, and sometimes we allow our struggles or our trials or our thoughts or even our doubts mm to become our gospel. Yeah. And rather than saying, okay, I trust in a savior, I trust in a father in heaven, I trust in a gospel, it's I'm putting my trust in this doubt. Yeah. And, and then that doubt has a way to grow and grow and grow yeah. until it eventually becomes the light which leads our life. Yeah. I've seen it so many different times that it began as a question, mm. turned into a concern, and then became something that just completely yeah. covers a face. Yeah, there's a woman in my life who um, I follow still and have had some interactions with in the past, but um, who has turned away from the, from the true light and has found her own light, and it very much is her own light. It's her spark. It's the thing that keeps her going. And the posts that she posts are all her light or someone else. And honestly, as we've been talking about this, I feel like it's a black light. Like it's a thing that like you can't really see. There's not a there's not a lot of shine that comes from it. It doesn't it doesn't open up the space so you can actually see what's around you. It just shines brightly on oh, one yeah. color, 
right? It, it focuses on one color or one aspect of a gospel that she disagrees with or whatever. It is so myopically focused that if you flash, flash the, the actual lights on, it is not in context. It is not truly as bright as it actually seems in the black light, right? And, and I think this concept of light, these sparks, a spark is not a light bulb. Yeah. A spark isn't even a fire, right? Yeah. It's just this little thing that's fleeting. And, every and now and then passes. you'll see it. Every now and then you'll lose it. But what can it do? It can, it can ignite many, many more fires, right? If, if all we're doing is flinging sparks around, we're going to cause problems and, and burn and so things down. If I'm, if I'm wanting to light the world, I better be lighting it with the right flame. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. So that's, that's pretty naturally through chapter 7. Uh, let's, let's continue into chapter 8 now. Oh man, we're getting to we're getting to some real great. Well, all of it's so good. Yeah. Uh, eight verse one, you that follow after righteousness, look under the rock from whence you are hewn. Yeah. And I don't know. I I love the Savior. There's there's just something about trusting in the process. Mm. I we as President Nelson said are so myopic. Like it is so easy to think, well, this is what I deserve. Yeah. Or this is what it should look like. And, and the more that I go through life, the more I'm like, I don't know. I just yeah. have to trust that Heavenly Father sees a picture yeah. that is bigger than me. Yeah. He's a rock. You know, I'm hewn from a rock that does not move. And yeah. yet I roll down the mountain all the time. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm constantly like rolling away. And as time goes on, I'm like, oh, I'll come back. I'll come back. Yeah. Uh, can, can I ask you maybe a, maybe a personal question? We can cut it out if you don't want to talk about it, but uh, you and your family have been blessed with a little angel girl. Um, your youngest uh, has come to earth with some challenges that I'm sure when you first heard about them were really scary. Devastating. And and I love that word, devastating, that, that how could, I don't know what your thoughts were, but how could God send that child or how could I don't know oh all those questions and and the fear and the concern that I'm sure was part of that initial experience how has that turned into a joy and a much better understanding of of the plan mm -hmm. or I don't know if that's something that you want to no that's into, but. that's great you know we we love talking about our little Lucy um, yeah. she is she's just a light but um, for those of you, you know, who don't know or maybe are new, she, she was born missing 90% of her cerebellum and uh, half of her brainstem and all, most all of her corpus callosum, all of her septum pellucidum, like all of these things that uh, has so made her if you look one at in a million. her brain, how much of it's there? Uh, so there's a significant portion on the front and okay. on the sides. Okay. But if you get towards the back and you look at it through a scan, it is all black. Just big black hole. It's just a big black hole. Yeah. Yep. And yep. she wasn't supposed to... Do it. She wasn't supposed to be born. Right. But, but let alone if she was born, she wasn't supposed to walk, talk, eat uh, by herself. Yeah. In fact, most of the individuals that have what she has, it, it is a, it's a really hard outlook. Yeah. And, and even for her... You know, it's been interesting because it's one of those things where I'm like, I have no room to complain. <laughs> like, but there is so many reasons I want to complain, sure. right? Yeah. Uh, when it first started, uh, it was so hard to go to my wife and say, okay, like, we didn't want a fifth child. Sure. Like, we were done it at happened. four. Yeah. And, and at the time, that was like the, we are done at four. Like, why are we doing this? Which has now become a... We didn't choose this. Heavenly Father did. Yeah. And it's such a different experience because when I first saw it, it became this like, 
the focus. I did not choose this. And now it's, I didn't choose this. Yeah. Yeah. Like Heavenly Father has given us this opportunity. And, and over the past couple of years, we, we've watched as our perception of like a terrible, 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 devastating situation has time and time again come back to something that has, that has just changed me into the person that I want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, over and over again, um, when I get home, like she comes, she runs up and gives me a big hug. And so it, she walks and runs. She walks and runs and, and, and talks and, and smiles. And eats and, and all the things. And she counts to 13. Wow, does she it, really? She counts to 13. What? Like uh, we don't know why or how, or but, um, but she, she runs up and gives me this biggest hug. And there is literally no malice. There, there is just joy. And, and it's one of those moments where as, as that happens, I, I start to recognize I could go back and say I would love my life before this because I had big plans. You got to sleep at night. I got to sleep at night. I haven't slept really in three years. Yeah. My, my wife is way worse. She has had a lot less sleep in three years. But, um, but it's, it's just been such a sweet experience to recognize that we have become different yeah. in the last three years. And had we never had her, it, it, it wouldn't have ever become this. Now, would I say to anyone, hey, I hope you go through this? Maybe. Mm-hmm. I, I hope everyone endures hard things because it, it points them to Christ. Mm-hmm. Like, in the times that I like had nothing left, I had no other way to plead, there was only one place that I could possibly go for any mm-hmm. solace in that moment. Yeah. And it just taught me time and time again, and I think verse 3. Chapter 8. Uh, chapter 8. For the Lord shall comfort Zion, he will comfort all her waste places, mm-hmm. and he will make her wilderness like Eden, mm-hmm. and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness shall be found therein, thanksgiving and the voice of melody. And to just know that the Lord can take something so devastating and literally turn it into one of the greatest joys that we can ever experience yeah. teaches me that I need to trust a little bit more. Yeah. I need to have a little more faith that a Savior can, can do anything in my life to make it good. Yeah, I love that. You know, there's much more in chapter 8 I think we want to cover, but may, may, maybe I just bounce from where you were in 3 to 22. It says, Thus saith the Lord, The Lord and thy God pleadeth the cause of his people. Behold, I have taken out of thine hand the cup of trembling and the dregs of cup of my fury. Thou shalt no more drink of it again. I, I think of um, in the Doctrine and Covenants where we learn about um, how the Savior will be our advocate, right? That, that he's going to advocate for his people, that he's going to advocate for a Trevor Dougal, right? That section 45, he's, he's going to stand in the judgment as my advocate. And as an advocate, I think, um, in the worldly sense, I think someone's going to stand up and like, and say why I shouldn't be punished or why I should be deserving of some great reward or, or point to me and how good I am or this is my first offense or whatever, right? But that's not the advocate that the Savior no. is going to be. He says, in section 45, he says, he will, he will stand and be our advocate with the Father. Verse 45, verse 4 says, Behold, he will say, Father, behold the sufferings and death of him who did no sin. He points right to himself. He's the advocate with us mm. by pointing to himself and saying, I didn't do anything wrong. And you told me that if I could have the, the kids that followed me, 
and I, I could suffer their punishment for them. He says, Behold the blood of thy son which was shed, the blood of him who thou gavest, that thyself might be glorified. Wherefore, Father, spare these my brethren that believe on my name. That's how he's our advocate. So when we go back into this, these words of Isaiah, he pleads our cause by pleading his case. And his case is perfect. His case has no flaws. He's missing no evidence, right? He can present a fully lived life, perfect of any sin, having suffered every condition of the fall, and point to us and say, they believed in me, and I did this work for you so that you could get them back. Let me take their sins. I've already suffered it. That's what he does. So I think about you and little Lucy and your wife and your children, and I think about how you are living, verse 9, Awake, awake, put on strength. Awake as in the ancient days, art thou not he that hath cut Rahab and wounded the dragon? This God that can dry up oceans has given you a Lucy that you can look at like a trial and a challenge and a hardship, or you can become who he wants you to become from it. And I would venture to say that most uh, given uh, a child like Lucy, come away more godlike. Oh, absolutely! Right? I mean, it is very uncommon for somebody to have that kind of a child. And, and there's not many sacrifices that it's it's words that you can't really you know you can't really share like because it's yeah. it's not even the amount of time you haven't slept. It's not even the amount of time like. There, there are just moments in a day where you have to literally sit down and just think to yourself, is this worth it? Yeah. And, and you ask yourself these questions, and, and as time goes on, mm. you have to come to some conclusions of, do I really trust that there is a Savior, or do I really put my trust in, in, in this world and, and why I'm dealing with this? And as you go through those experiences, I mean... I, I don't. I know it's not just a Lucy experience. It could be a, a sin experience. It sure. could be a you know, a child injury experience. Sure. It could be like there are so many different experiences, that we look at and say why God and I just think why not? Yeah, like why not have that experience because, you get to become just like Him. Yeah, yeah, and and that we could one day say I understand. It would not be possible if I didn't have to deal with anything, right? How, how am I going to become like him if I don't ever have to deal with anything? In fact, you said something before we started um, uh, that I wrote down in my notes. Um, can I read it? Yeah. Because I think this is, this is it. <laughs> this, this, goes, is, this goes along with what we're talking about. You, right I think you've been thinking about this for the past few weeks, and, and you said it and said it in such a concise and clean way that I just, I think it will change the way I think for a while now. You said, can you imagine a world where people have Christ's capabilities or capacities without Christ's characteristics or character? Holy cow, yeah. Can you imagine that God gives you the things you want to be able to do like Him, but you haven't learned to become like Him? Oh man, we would do some bad things. Oh, wouldn't we? I would destroy people all the time. <laughs> I just picture anger. Like, you know, you've got the capability, but you still have the anger. Yeah. Like, how, how many times would we use that power in a way that Heavenly Father is like, and that is why you don't have right. the power? 
Yeah, and so, so you look at your circumstance or circumstances I've gone through in my life, and I think, what did I learn? And I learned compassion. I learned patience. I learned to, to calm anger. I learned, and not that I'm perfect at any of those things, right? But, but if my objective is to one day become like my Father in Heaven, who is perfect at all of those things, and then be given the capacities He has, I can't imagine oh, without His perfect nature to have any of those capacities and what you do with those out of, out of line. And could you imagine the way that you could then comfort people the way Christ comforteth mm. and, and love people the way Christ loveth? Yeah. And, and I think that's the, the very things that change us to become like Him often are the very things that we complain about. Yeah. But if I want to be able to like be like my Savior, I mean, really be like my Savior, do like my Savior, talk yeah. like my Savior, walk like my Savior, then I also have to be willing to bear a cross like my Savior. Right. And yeah. I also have to be willing to maybe be beaten and spit upon mm -hmm. and, and go through those experiences that I don't want to go through, but I need to go through because they give me an opportunity to experience yeah. being like Christ. Yeah. And, and in the context of the scriptures here, we're talking to a group of people who have separated from a family, family members who didn't like them, um, who are, are maybe leaning at the first part here towards wanting kings and wanting to do things kind of in a way the Lord doesn't want. And ultimately what's being taught to them is no. It's verse 17, awake, awake, stand up, O Jerusalem, <laughs> which has drunk at the hand of the Lord the cup of his fury. You you've know what it's like when you do it wrong. The next line is kind of interesting. Thou hast drunken the dregs of the cup of trembling wrung out. I mean, it's not just the dregs of the cup. It's like it's that like got sopped up and then wrung out. Bit. Like, holy cow. And, and yet, um, the invitation is to awake. Stand up. Go do. Go become. Not just sit and, and be gross in, the, in the, the world that you want to yeah. live in, right? Um, I will put, look at verse 23, I will put into thine hand, it into thine hand of them that afflict thee who have said to thy soul, bow down, that we may go over. And thou hast laid thy body as the ground and as the street to them that went over. Awake, put on thy strength, O Zion. Put on thy beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. I, I know what your trials and challenges are. I know what people are trying to run you over. Just do the right thing. Be a, as Elder Bednar might say, be a good girl, be a good boy, <laughs> and do the right thing, and it will all work. It will all work out, and you will be glad you did. Well, and you look at that very last part. Shake thyself from the dust, arise, sit down. O Jerusalem, loose thyself from the bands of thy neck. Yeah. O captive daughters. Like, it, it is interesting that the greatest trials that we will ever endure are probably brought on by ourselves. Oh, for sure. You know, the other day as we were studying, I, you know, there's, there's really three different ways that trials come. Mortality, mm -hmm. which brings trials in, in so many different capacities from others and the choices that they make, you know, sin. And, and, and then the last one, which is probably the most likely, from ourselves. Mm -hmm. we, we put ourselves in these situations where we sit down and we turn like the Jews and we're like, Awake, Lord, art thou not he that Amen. is cut from Rahab? Art thou not he? Like going through all these questions, didn't you do this? Yeah. Didn't you do this? Right. And you won't do it for me. Yeah. 
And yet, what is his response to us? His response to us is chapter 7, verse 1. Did I put thee away? Did I divorce you? Have I, have I done? Have I moved from where I was? No. I'm in the exact same place asking you to just be obedient and come to me, and you won't do it. The, the verse 25, I, there's so many things. Shake thyself from the dust. Now, this is Jacob speaking what Nephi wanted to hear, who heard it from Lehi, right? Shake off the chains, arise Seriously. from the dust. How often are we hearing awake? That, those counsels from Lehi at the end of his life must have rung with his boys hard and true for a long time because that's the counsel we're getting to their people later, right? So much. Loose thyself from the bands of thy neck, right? That you, it, it's the Savior, right? Verse seven, chapter 7, verse 1. Behold, for your iniquities have ye sold yourselves. This is not something I've done to you. It's something you've done to you. Yeah. So stop doing it to you. Well, and what would be an amazing moment is if all of us, you know, as we're hearing this, as we're reading this, if each one of us were to say to ourselves, in what way am I not becoming like Christ? Yeah. And then change that. Right. Or what have I done to put myself in a different place? What am I doing that is not aligned with the Savior and I have chained myself oh, down? Oh, man. What things am I doing that are out of line? So we get into the oh and woe sermon now in chapter 9, which is, there's so much in here. So much in here. That we could spend, this, this could probably be a podcast in and of itself with 20 different episodes. Um, so where, where would you like to take us? What, uh, what should we understand about the chapter maybe as a whole, um, contextually, and then, and then it, where to focus? You know, I like, I like that Jacob changes up his, his words uh, in verse 1. Um, now I'm going to speak to you that you might know concerning the covenants of the Lord and that he has covenanted with all of Israel. Yeah. So, you know, at first he's like, I'm going to talk to you about Isaiah. Now I'm going to talk to you about the covenants which you have made with the yeah. Lord and, and why they matter. And then I don't know if you believe in monsters, but I think Jacob does. <laughs> so um, we, we start to learn about this awful monster. Verse 26. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see, where else is it? Verse 19. Verse 10, he talks this awful yeah. monster. Yeah. Uh, verse 10, he tells what the awful monster is. Uh, Adam fell that men might be, but this is the awful fall right here. Uh, Who prepareth a way for our escape from the grasp of this awful monster, yea, that monster, death and hell, mm -hmm. which I call the death of the body and also the death of the spirit. Yeah. And then the rest of this chapter really just surrounds how to overcome death, how to overcome hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just I was just reading back in chapter seven, speaking of the atonement, that it must needs be an infinite atonement, save it should be an infinite atonement. This corruption, physical and spiritual, could not put on incorruption. Wherefore, the first judgment, physical death, which came upon man, must needs have remained to an endless duration. Right, this this cast off away from God, physical death, spiritual death would have had had an eternal consequence if the atonement wasn't also eternal. I think about you and I mm. in the next life, right? That uh, My assumption is you and I will be in the celestial kingdom. I have enough faith I in sure Christ. I sure hope that, so. That, you know, <laughs> I think we're trying in life and, you know, whatever. But, but I think I won't be perfect. I, there will be a lot of things I need the Savior's assistance to become. The, the enabling power maybe becomes much more engaged there. Um, and the uh, the atoning power to forgive sin, I don't think exists there. I, there's no, I can't sin in God's presence. Sin, I won't be tempted. The adversary will be bound. Right, all those things. Um, but but the enabling power and the power of Christ to give me power 
is an eternal thing, right? It is a thing yeah. that I will need forever and my children will need forever so that, um, so that we can become like him. And not only that, to have a savior, to have someone who has wound marks in their hands and their feet and their side, eternally to show and, I don't know, is it a, is it a stamp of this has been done for Matt, this has been done for Trevor, um, a, a little bit of a seal of Matt and Trevor can become as our Father in Heaven because this was done. Does that seal need to remain? Probably. Probably that seal eternally needs to remain. How often do we need to see it? I mean, right? I, that's the thing. Like, I, I know in my life, I'm like, oh, yeah, the Savior atoned for me. And then the next day I'm doing things that are yeah. contrary to right. that very, yeah. like, saving uh, uh, grace. And I, yeah. And then something occurs again, and it's like, oh, remember. Yeah. Remember. Mm. Like, go back and remember that this has already been accomplished. And as he says at the beginning here, verse 7, wherefore it must needs be that it is an infinite atonement, mm -hmm. infinite in scope, mm -hmm. like it has covered any possible thing, um, infinite in scope, save it should be an infinite atonement, this corruption wherefore would put on incorruption. Wherefore, the first judgment which came into man must needs have remained to an endless duration. Adam's fall, hmm. if that was the case, if it was not infinite, we're done from there on out. Yeah. And, and everything past that yeah. is ultimately done with. Well, and, the, and look at eight. Oh, the wisdom of God, his mercy and grace. This is one of the first O oh verses, right? Um, for behold, if the flesh should rise no more, our spirits must become subject to that angel who fell from before the presence of eternal God and become the devil to rise no more. If there was no capacity to, to gain a body back and our spirits were, were relegated to spirit life, um, there is no world that we could obtain because we have, a, we, have a, we have no physical form. So the worlds, even if they aren't the celestial kingdom, the celestial, terrestrial, telestial places for most of God's children are the thing we inherit. So in order to obtain that thing, we need a physical body. So everyone who comes to earth will obtain a physical body and other than the sons of perdition will obtain also a physical world where you will be living. Right, so in, oh. in that sense, the atonement is eternal because it created an eternal capacity for you to have an eternal life. Which is so amazing. Physical, right? Which is so amazing. Yeah, so cool. And I think as you know, we start to go through there, uh, we, we learn, like, obviously there are things that we need to do. Sure. Like, because the Savior has done that. And, and I think we think sometimes in the wrong way where it's like, oh, I did bad, I'm not like the Savior, right. all, all these different things. And, and I need to start focusing a little bit more on not what I'm not able to do, but yeah. what he is able to do. Yeah, that's great. And, and I think, you know, as I, I trust in what he is able to do, I can then take my weaknesses and learn yeah. and grow and become, in verse 14, you know, wherefore we have a perfect knowledge of all of our guilt, right? After we, after we die, we go, right, we got all the guilt and our uncleanliness and our nakedness and the <laughs> righteous. What shall they have? They'll have a perfect knowledge of all their enjoyment mm. and their righteousness, being clothed with purity, yea, even with the robe of righteousness. Mm. Now, like you said earlier, I'm not going to be perfect when I get there. Mm. So why is it that if I am worthy to be there, that I am going to be focusing on the righteousness and yeah. the purity and these things, and the wicked are going to be focusing on the wicked things? Yeah, yeah and, and I think you just keep reading there. It shall come to pass that when all men have passed from the first death unto life, insomuch as they have become immortal. So, 
you've died, you now have been resurrected, you now have your immortal body, um, they must appear before the judgment seat of the Holy One of Israel, and then cometh the judgment, and then cometh the be, then they must be judged according to the holy judgment of God. And assuredly as the Lord liveth, for the Lord God hath spoken it, and it is, etern is his eternal word, which cannot pass away, that they who are righteous shall be righteous still, and they who are filthy shall be filthy still. Wherefore, they who are filthy are the devil and his angels. It, it, I, I love the analogy once of someone saying, can you imagine restoring an old Ford Mustang, just some old cool car, whatever you love, right? Some old cool car and turning it into a modern day jalopy. <laughs> I mean, you would never do that, right? You would never take a Ford Mustang and turn it into a jalopy. And similarly, you would not take an old beater that is just the crummiest car from the old days, an old jalopy, for example, and try to turn it into a Mustang. It, you Seriously. couldn't do it. And I think in a similar fashion, if I die with the spiritual incapacities that, are, that come from the condition of the fall, that's okay. But if I die with carnal desires and I've turned my body, my physical body, into something that cannot be resurrected into a form of a Mustang, I, I won't get that. Yeah. I, I will be resurrected at, at to what level I have obtained and what level I want. Well, and I don't think we'll be you. surprised either. No. I don't think you're going to get there and be like, what? Wait a minute. I'm I, still... I am doing all the good <laughs> things. And the Lord's like, no, no you're not. <laughs> no. You know, when we, we get brought to that moment, as it says in here, to all of our knowledge yeah. and all of our guilt and all of those different things, but then it goes down in verse 18 and talks about those who will ultimately be righteous. I mean, they who have endured the crosses of the world, mm -hmm. the, their own crosses, their own personal experiences, and despise the shame of it, they shall inherit the kingdom of God, which was prepared for them from the foundation of the world, and their joy shall be full forever. Mm. How amazing. Like, the very things that... It's so hard because I, I wish I could go back to me four years ago when we found out about Lucy and, and just say, listen, this is going to change you. Mm -hmm. It is going to change everything about your life. You are going to go through things that you wished you never had to go through, but it will all be worth it. Yeah, It will all be worth it. And if I could just go back and sit and talk to that lonely guy sitting in the room when we found out, <laughs> I, I think I would have handled it so much better. Yeah. But if there is anything, you know, I could say to anyone, having been through something so drastic and, and still hard, sure. it's not easy. It, I, I don't know if it'll ever be easy for me and my wife, but, but if there is anything I could say to anyone who's sitting there thinking, I, I'll just never get through this, you will. Mm -hmm. Like, you will make it through. You will have experiences. And, and, and sometimes we want miracles that are right now. But unless a person is willing to deal with devastation, yeah. a person will never be able to see miracles. And, and uh, yes, thank you. I, I love verse 19 in connection with that. Oh, the greatness of the mercy of our God, the Holy One of Israel. For he delivereth his saints from that awful monster. Mm. Now, he goes on and describes it as of death and of hell, um, physical death and of, of spiritual death. Um, but 
But I think in mortality, we have a hard time grasping physical death and spiritual death and, and seeing the eternal capacities that that, that or the eternal, eternal consequences that those have. But I think it's much easier to say um, it, it, it is Christ's capacity and ability to overcome the awful monster of what I thought Lucy was going to be yeah. in my life, right? Yeah. The awful monster of what it's like to have children hit by a drunk driver and, and death and, 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 you know, whatever the challenge you have that is, that is big. Maybe I'll pause here again. You know, one of the things I learned going through our hardest experience uh, in our life so far was that it, I don't necessarily understand what it's like to have Lucy, but I understand what it's like to have the hardest thing. Yeah. Right? Oh, that's good. And I don't know, I don't know the detail of your hardest thing or others' hardest thing, but I think what, what the uh, experiences of our life that are our hardest things I think what it teaches us is to have compassion. Um, when we thought we had had our hardest thing before was uh, we have a daughter who was diagnosed as a diabetic when she was like five. And I remember uh, one of our good friends, your and my good friends even, um, has a, a child with some, some very severe um, uh, special needs. And, um, and, and actually he's a teacher at uh, BYU-Idaho, Ezra Gwilliam. Uh, so if you're, if you're up at BYU-Idaho, take a class from Brother Gwilliam. He's, he's fantastic. But I remember coming out of a meeting right after our daughter had been uh, diagnosed as a diabetic, and she's since been diagnosed as a celiac, and that's hard. There's, oh, that there's not a lot tough. you eat, and it's, it's difficult to... She can eat everything as a diabetic, but the celiac component, obviously no gluten, and so that becomes harder anyway. Uh, we're coming out of a meeting, and uh, Ezra was out in front of us, and he held the door for me, and... He asked me how we were doing. I said, oh, we're fine. We're good. Our, our, our uh, issue that we've been presented with is nothing like yours, so we're, we're okay. And he, he like, put his hands on my shoulders and stopped me and stood in front of me. And he said, no, I understand what you're going through because I have a hardest thing too. And this is your hardest thing, and that's mine. And, and they're the same level of oh, hardest thing, even if, they're, even if they're deeper in... in in, to deal with yours, for example, compare your daughter with my daughter, and and the and the daily consequences of what you're dealing with with Lucy is much different than what what I'm dealing with 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 Charlotte. But but that that's a hard thing gives me compassion and the capacity to feel and understand and become more godlike, right? Yeah. And and maybe there's something there. Maybe that's part of the reason why God gives us those to help us become like Him and see what it's like to have compassion for others and empathy for others and and lift where we feel uh, we can in their lives. And as we go about this life, having those experiences rather than being like, why me? Yeah. I mean, what a great opportunity is to say, thank you, Lord. Yeah. And I, I know that sounds so random, like, because in, in the trials, we tend to not say thank you. Like, right. it, it's, it, it tends to be once we've had a little bit of alleviation sure. and, and the Savior has stepped in, but... Yeah. It's amazing from this one experience how many of my other trials now I'm like, yeah, we got that. Thanks, Lord, we got this. <laughs> like, and, and it just like rather than looking at it, it has changed my character. It has changed my wife's character, yeah. and and everyone that we come in contact with from this point forward will be blessed because Lucy mm -hmm. came into this world. Yeah, I, I love it. I love the. Um, 
the council that is has been our discussion, the council that's here, uh, the application in our lives. There's there's a whole section of this chapter, uh, maybe that starts in 27, um, that is kind of a warning, and there's some very specific warning things in there. Uh, maybe for time, we'll we'll let you study those. The woe section, woe unto um, the the, um, the council against doing certain things through verse 38. Um, and then maybe verse 39 we touch on a little bit. Oh, my beloved brethren, remember the awfulness in transgressing against the holy God and also the awfulness of yielding to the enticings of the cunning one. Remember to be carnally minded is death and to be spiritually minded is life eternal. Um, there's an old uh, seminary... Uh, I don't know what it is. Fun thing, but spiritually minded is life eternal. The first letter of each of those words spells smile. And uh, I just think that's a, 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 a nice way to remember what it, what it feels like to be spiritually minded. And I think that goes back to President Nelson's words, think celestial. Yeah. Like to be spiritually minded is, is, is thinking from an eternal perspective and, yeah. and trusting that Heavenly Father sees a picture that's just so good. Yeah, you'll do things different if you think celestial. You'll you'll focus on the, um, you won't focus on the circumstances of your life, right? The focus will be different. Uh, I think that's beautiful in there. Okay, we've got limited time um, and a whole chapter maybe that, well, probably a chapter and a half that we really aren't covering here. Um, is there something else you want to take us to to close us out here today? You know, maybe just two things. Okay. Um, I love 40, like 49, 50, 52, 53. It just has all of these like verbs. Yeah. And I love when the Lord gives verbs because it's like, here, just do yes, this. Right. Like, here it is. Like verse 50, come ye to the waters. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, it, drink from the waters. Get yep. yourself in a place. Like, um, hearken diligently unto me. Mm -hmm. uh, verse 52, remember the words of your God. Pray, yeah. give thanks, rejoice. And then in verse 53, and then behold how great the covenants of the Lord are. Hmm. And I, I just love, he's like, here's all the little things, your primary answers. Yep. And then he's like, once you're really doing those, then come and behold how my covenants can save yeah. you, how yeah. my covenants will bless you. Then you have the capacity to see what the covenants are doing oh, for you, right? So amazing. Love that. So amazing. And then we go into 10. Uh, you know, Jacob explains about the crucifixion and how the Jews would be the only ones who would do that, which is, which is so sad, you know, to know. Obviously, there needed to be a group of individuals that, that got to that point. But uh, I want to just jump to the end of chapter 10. And, and I'd invite you to go all through 10. It's, yeah, there, it's there's, really good. There's some prophecies of the, of the America that we know today, not having kings. There's, I mean, there's some really great things in there that I think are worth your study. Um, and I think, anyway, I, I agree with you. There's there's plenty in there. But let's jump to the end there. Let's go to verse, I, I say 22. I mean, there's okay. so much in, in this, but uh, 22. For behold, the Lord God has led away from time to time the house of Israel, according to his will and pleasure. And now, behold, the Lord remembereth all them who have been broken off. Mm. Wherefore, he remembereth us also. I, just, I mean, we're going to wander. Yeah. Like we've been wanderers, but that doesn't mean that the Lord has forgotten us. Yeah. And then that therefore, mm. because he hasn't forgotten you, and I know you'll feel forgotten at yeah. times. Yeah. I know you'll feel miserable at times. I know you'll feel like, am I the only one? 
Um, it, it's funny having Lucy, she is literally one of a kind. Mm -hmm. uh, she is the only one that we have found in this world that has what she has. Mm -hmm. and, and so there's a times when I'm like, Lord, I need, I need someone else. <laughs> like I need someone else to have this so the doctors will know what to do. So yeah. the, you know, the, the, the people will be experienced enough. And, and we, we just keep coming back to the idea that she was Heavenly Father's daughter first. Mm. Well, and, and I, might I might throw in there, I love that. I, I, I might throw in there that maybe there won't be another one, but what a hope she will be for the next one. Oh, that's so good. Right? That, 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 that at three, is she three now? Yeah, three years that old. That at three, we have known some of these children to have walked and counted and talked and eaten and smiled and... All the things that on your first day were not a possibility. Yeah. And now, what a blessing for the next one, right? Maybe it's time Lucy has her own podcast. Yes, we'll, let's we'll do have it. A Lucy podcast. We'll call, we'll call it one to thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> Serious. Oh, I love it. Oh, verse twenty-three. Therefore, cheer up your hearts, <laughs> and remember that you are free to act for yourselves, to choose the way of everlasting death, or the way of eternal life. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, reconcile yourselves to the will of God. Yeah and not to the will of the devil and the flesh. And remember, after you're reconciled unto God, that it is only in and through the grace of God that you're saved. Hmm. Um, just reconcile yourself back to the Savior. I, you know, that devil and flesh, I think, is the one that we often go to. And we, yeah. we reconcile and say, oh, man, the spirit is, you know, weak. Like, my flesh is strong right sure, now. Right, yeah. When in reality, it's, it's quite the opposite. Yeah. Like, my spirit... Really, if I will allow it to be connected to the Lord, will change my flesh and gets it, gets what I'm supposed yeah. to become. You know, but maybe in closing, you um, you shared before we hit record something that uh, you've talked with your students about, and it is how does the adversary market eternal death? Oh man! And and, and maybe just in a, by way of tying your testimony together, can you teach me how your students have have seen that? and what the hopeful outcome of that learning and understanding is. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I just picture it. I picture those, like, uh, medicine commercials. Yeah. And, and, you know, they start off always, and there's this, you know, wonderful person walking through the woods, and they're like, <laughs> with this, this is how your life will look. It'll be so great. It'll you don't be, have a horrible rash yeah, anymore. no rash, no this, no that. And at the very end, it's like, severe constipation, death, like all these different things. You will probably be, and, right. and it leaves it to the end where it's very, very short and very, very quiet and very, very quick. Yep. Whereas the Lord does it in the opposite way. Like before we came to this earth, he said, listen, you're going to go down to this earth. It is going to be so hard. Yeah. It is going to be, you're going to be near death, like sin, like struggle, like all of yeah. these different things. And yet in heaven, we cheered for it. Yeah. And, and I, I've been thinking about that because as, as Lucifer markets it, he markets it in a way where he shows us here is goodness. 99% goodness. 99% goodness. <laughs> oh, and, and that 0.1% badness. Yeah. But in reality, it's really 99% badness yeah. for that 0.1% if, goodness. If death and eternal constipation is the outcome <laughs> of what I'm getting from you, I probably won't take that pill. Seriously. Right? But, but conversely, if we look at what the Savior's offering, He shows us the whole and says it's going to be hard and this is, this is going to be rough. And then says, but the balm I'm going to give you can actually fix all of it, 100% of, of it. 
No 100 percent. Well, and that's why we can cheer. Yeah. Because we, we have nothing to worry about if we can really trust in the Savior. Yeah. And so as that occurs, I, I, I think sometimes, you know, I look at the students and, and they're going through something or other or whatever has happened in their life. And, and it's like, oh, this, this is so hard. Yeah. And I say, well, do you think it'd be easier? Oh, yeah, it'd be easier to do <laughs> what they are doing. Yeah. It would be easier to just sin. It'd be easier to act like them. It'd be easier. And, and as they say that, I think to myself, you might have a Lucy. Mm. You're, you're not going to need this until you really, really need it. And if at that point you don't have it, yeah. it won't matter anyway. Yeah. And so I, I, it's so important to recognize that Lucifer markets everything is right now, right this moment, right this. Like it's all about the, the joy that I will get in this very moment. Yeah. Whereas the Lord's plan is long term. Yeah. He, is, he is looking out for us in ways that we don't even begin to comprehend what he sees for our lives. Yeah. And because of that, if we can just trust in him now, it will, it will do so much more for us. As we as we go through our our terrible terrible devastating moments of yeah. life, yeah, brother Dougal, thank you. This has been so fun to sit with you and, and counsel together about what we find in the scriptures. Uh, I love the the experiences you've had in your life, for as hard as they've been, that that I can glean from and learn from. And uh, grateful for you are willing to share today. Oh, it's always good to be here.